Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm, Hello, everybody. That was weird. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sperm Cast Pregnancy Edition. Before we jump in, a big thank you to my newest patrons from the last few weeks. Casey, Imogen, Allison, Priscilla B, Barbara C, Elise, Tammy, Nora Z, and Daniela. Thank you all so much. And thank you also to Beck S, Marissa L, or Marisa L, Nancy O, Melanie E, and Talitha B for raising their subscriptions. Ooh, I'm so honored. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. If you're not already a patron, you too can support the show by subscribing to the Patreon for a couple bucks a month, and you'll have access to all my updates in real time. Another way to support the show, obviously, is to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, but you already know that because you rated and reviewed it a long time ago, right? Just go and do it now. It's anonymous. I won't know it took you this long to do it. Anyway, another way to support the show is by sending a Venmo to Molly-Hockey. It's that easy. And now, let's talk about everything. Last time we spoke was two weeks ago. I was anxiously awaiting my 20-week anatomy scan and packing feverishly for my cross-country trip, which, if all went well at the scan, would be two days after. Well, it finally came time for the scan on Monday afternoon on the 26th, and I was scared and excited all at the same time. I thought everything was going to be okay, but it was still hard to keep those what-ifs at bay. What if something's wrong with my pregnancy, my placenta, my amniotic fluid? Will I need to stay in town for a follow-up test? What if there's something severely wrong with the baby? Will I have to make the hardest decision of my life? What if my worst fears come true and there's no heartbeat? How will I get through it? And mentally, will I be able to even start over, ever? But the answer to all of these questions, all of these what-ifs, was always the same and always is the same, which is that I'll get through it. And eventually, everything will be okay. So I decided to turn off the what-ifs as much as possible because there's just no use in projecting. I got to my appointment a little bit early. I sat in my car. I did some breathing. When I got to the waiting room, I closed my eyes and I just breathed. And then in the exam room, I waited for the perinatologist. And when she came in, I told her I was nervous. And she said, why? Do other people not get nervous about the 20-week scan? I don't know. I just, I guess my experiences and all the conversations I've had have made things a little bit more complicated for me. 
Anyway, she wouldn't let me record the exam, you guys, but we did get a little bit of video at the end of the ultrasound, and we'll listen to that later. So I'll just fill you in on what I can remember from the exam. But first, let me tell you what a doctor is looking for at a 20-week scan. During a traditional 20-week ultrasound, the doctor checks the fetus's major organs and systems. The goal is to ensure that the heart, brain, skull, kidneys, bones, hands, and feet are developing as usual and that the fetus is the right size for its stage of development. They also check the sex, if you don't know already, and yes, you listeners are going to find that out today. And they also check the location and the health of the placenta and assess amniotic fluid levels. Okay, so let's get started with my scan. My first big question was, is baby even alive? I hadn't felt any kicks yet, and it had been many weeks since my nuchal translucency scan, so I don't know, I was just nervous. I mean, I could see the cute little baby in there on the screen, but I didn't see any movement. I couldn't tell, and the doctor was so quiet. I mean, I told her I was nervous. Couldn't she have at least told me that my baby was alive? Finally, I asked, and yes, baby was definitely alive, and the heart was beating well. Whew, hooray. On the screen, I could see the regular black and white ultrasound image, but once she zeroed in on the heart, she hit some button and it showed the blood flow in blue and red. I said, hey, I love information, so please feel free to explain everything in as much detail as you can. But she wasn't very forthcoming with the details. I don't think she felt like giving me a lesson, plus she needed to concentrate. And she wasn't laughing at any of my jokes, so I just left her alone. But hey, that blue and red stuff on the image was moving around lots, and eventually she told me the heart looked good. Okay, what was next? The head, maybe? Honestly, it's pointless for me to describe because I don't remember anything. (laughs) She took a bunch of measurements of the skull, and when she moved on, she let me know everything was looking good with the head and the brain. Then she looked for the kidneys, everything looked good, the spine looking good, the tummy a little bit big and so cute in my opinion, but she said it was within normal range. And then the genitals. Okay, so first of all, I have something to confess. I've known all along what the gender is. I didn't tell you. I'm so sorry. I found out at the nuchal translucency scan at 12 weeks, but I just wasn't ready to share it with everybody. I wanted to tell you, but I also wanted to process the info on my own. Plus, I don't even want to give a fuck what the sex is, and I don't want to encourage others to care what the sex is either. I want society to stop putting so much emphasis on sex and gender. We're all just humans and we deserve the same opportunities. Oh gosh, in my fantasy world, women don't have to wear layers of makeup and heels that mangle their feet. Men wear skirts and dresses without their sexuality coming into question. We don't assume doctors and movie directors and U.S. presidents are men. Male nurses can be just a nurse. An actress can just be an actor. A congressman or a congresswoman is just a congressperson. A woman doesn't have to take a man's goddamn last name when she marries him. It's not assumed that the kid is going to get the father's last name when the... Oh my god, I hate that tradition. What the fuck is with this patriarchal bullshit? Young boys are encouraged to experience their emotions and crying isn't a sign of weakness. A baby girl is still a girl if she doesn't have pierced ears and a stupid bow on her fucking head. Sorry, that was rude. Bald head is what I meant to say. And a baby boy is still a boy if he's got ruffles on his sleeves or on his butt. Although I have to say ruffles and fucking bows, I mean, they just bother me. But still, it was kind of fun to know. 
So, at my NT scan a while back, when the doctor asked me if I wanted to know, I thought I didn't care, and I said sure. And he said that he could tell with about 90% accuracy that it was a... But do you want to know what my first thought was? Fear. I don't know anything about girls. I grew up with all boys. Girls are weak. Girls aren't funny or interesting. Girls are backstabbers and snobs. Ew, wait. How could I be thinking these horrible things? Had I, Molly Hawkey, daughter of the amazing Penny Hawkey, actually have a deeply internalized bias telling me that men are fucking superior? Sick! But that was what my initial reaction told me. Luckily, it was only a tiny feeling. I was still super excited. I just had this weird question mark. And then that thought started to morph a little bit. Maybe I don't think women are inferior. Maybe I think I'm an inferior woman. And when I thought about it more, maybe I'm scared to raise a girl because I never figured out how to be a girl myself. I never figured out how to make boys like me. I never figured out how to dress like a girl, how to clean my room and have nice things. And maybe I'm resentful of girls because they all got their periods at normal ages. They all had full boobs that looked great in white t-shirts. They all figured out how to have orgasms before they were 35 years old. They all had husbands and babies the normal way. They didn't have to get a sperm donor. I'm a failure, a terrible example of a woman. How could I possibly raise a girl? Oh, Lord, I know it's all dumb, but this has to be the root of my feelings, right? I think that's what it is. I think that's why I'm scared to have a girl. I think that's probably why I hate pink and bows and ruffles, too, because I'm jealous. But when I talk to friends about how I'm a failed female and how I won't be able to raise a real girl who knows how to flirt and be feminine, they all laughed at me and told me all the reasons why I was wrong. That I'm a fabulous woman, independent and strong, inspiring, creative. And they pointed out that moms don't typically teach their daughters how to flirt. And if they did, that would be terrible. (laughs) In my mind, I know they're right, but that internalized inferiority is strong. What flipped the switch for me was when my friend Priyanka said, what did she say? She said, your baby's going to show you everything you need to know about how to, no. Oh, Lordy, I can't remember... I'm calling Priyanka. I was very comfortable when I was told my first kid was going to be a boy because I felt like, okay, I know how to do that. Yeah. Um, I understand boys. And, um, but I still wanted, I wanted a girl. And so I was hoping for a girl the second time. And when they told me it was a, it was a girl, I, first, I burst into tears. I was so happy <laughs> because I think by then I had realized that what, whatever was holding me back in my head was like my definition of what I thought a girl should be. Mm-hmm. And you turned out how you turned out, and I turned out how I turned out. Was it you that told me that the, the kid will teach me more than I'm going to teach them? Yeah, you're going to learn so much from the kid. You'll learn so much about yourself, because once you start kind of examining the wiring of who they are, you learn so much more about how we're all wired. Yeah. I mean, the thing I say about my kids is my job is to just stay out of the way. My job is to be the training wheels, right? They're the bike. They're riding the bike. Yeah. I can provide the support, but they are who they are, and I really think kids are born good. Yeah. And they want to be good, and they want to be kind, and they want to love you, and they want to be loved. And 
And to like maintain that purity for as long as you can and protect that is, I think, is of utmost importance. And, and to remind yourself, like, I've become a better person since I had kids, for sure. I agree. <laughs> I think she was right. All of these twisted thoughts are all about me and everything that I've been through and nothing about the baby. I mean, I'm not going to have any control over my little girl and her personality and how she turns out. So, oh gosh, it just became another thing to let go. Anyway, I got way off track there. Let's get back to my 20-week scan. Okay, so she finally got down to the genitalia and confirmed that she is a girl. Wee! In the end, I still think we all need to chill the fuck out when it comes to baby sex organs and gender reveal parties, and I still hate pink and ruffles and bows, and I still fucking hate that everything has to be so gendered in our culture, driving a wedge between male and female when we should all have the same opportunities, not to mention the fact that sex organs don't determine your gender, but that's another episode altogether that I really want to get into. But anyway, but I, I can't deny that knowing my baby's sex is super fun and that it's helped me bond with her and allowed me to imagine a real little human that I can't wait to kiss and snuggle. And now we can finally listen to a little bit of that ultrasound. Okay, here's a video. Can you tell tell me any of the things that you looked at or show me any of the things you looked at? Yeah, so this is the baby's head. Yeah. Looking at the nose is the profile here. Oh, yeah. See the heart beating? Yeah. The heart. Yeah. The legs sticking up here, and that's part of the arm here. Yeah. And the baby's head. And the baby's head is down by the cervix, and wait, was that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the baby's upside down right now, which is fine for the yeah. baby. The baby doesn't mind. Facing the sky. Actually, kind of facing your back. Oh. Um, to your left. I'm so backwards. Okay, so like the if I was, would baby's butt be up here on this side? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, and uh, can you show us the girl parts again? <laughs> oh yeah, let's take a look at that. Okay, here we go. So girl parts right here. What? I don't have any idea what we're looking at. Where's the? So these little white lines. Those are the girl parts. Where's the rest of the body though? <laughs> You can see the leg here. Okay, okay, okay. The other leg. So it's like a behind view. It's right here. She's looking healthy. Yeah. And you checked out the the brain, the heart, the kidneys. Spine. Tummy. Tummy was big. The tummy was big, but still appropriate size. Okay. So the baby's measuring 11 ounces. Wow, that's bigger than they said in my book. Oh, really? My app said... Then the doctor tried to take some 3D photos of the baby, but she wouldn't stop moving because she's such a wild child. So all her photos looked like melting wax. And then the ultrasound was over and I ran out to my car and I called my mom. Hello. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, everything's okay. Yes. What, do you have a little girl? Oh, yeah, I do have a little girl. (laughs) Um, Okay, tell me about her growth patterns. Baby was very active. 
um, <laughs> would not calm down the whole time. <laughs> the doctor tried to take a couple pictures in the end, some 3D photos, and yeah. not, the, the baby is not photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe she, maybe she doesn't like ultrasound. No, she's having fun. Placenta is anterior, which means I probably won't be feeling kicks for a while. If you didn't hear that, I said the placenta is anterior, so I won't be feeling kicks for a while. Again, anterior means the placenta's in the front, so it makes more of a padding between the uterus, and the outside of my belly. She says for anyone that's done IVF, she recommends a fetal echocardiogram. So the doctor, she she said that I get that when I get to New York. Uh, an echocardiogram, okay. Yeah. Does she have a reason why? Uh, she says IVF babies tend to have more heart defects. So okay. Not to, not to worry, but... Yeah. No, 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 I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. And so she's 11 ounces. So is she's like an inch and a half to two inches long? <laughs> Three inches? <laughs> what? No, she's at least six inches. What? She's the size she's of a six. She's the size of a big mango. Oh boy, big. <laughs> then I texted my mom one of the 3D photos that the doctor tried to take. What? <laughs> There's some scary ones. I've got some scary ones. I'll take them. I'll take them Onward. Now you're in. What time is your OB appointment? 9 a.m. or something. So the next morning, I went to my OB and she listened to the heartbeat with the Doppler. That's a good heartbeat, everybody. After that appointment, I went and I got my minivan. And then I realized this packing was going to be much harder than I thought. I started shoving everything in the minivan right away, all Tuesday night. And by Wednesday morning, I was completely overwhelmed. And I couldn't see how I was going to make anything fit. I wanted to leave on Wednesday morning. And I couldn't even carry stuff to the car. I called my brother and I asked him to come over and help me and he saved the day. Oh, my brother is the best. He's so sweet. Adam Hockey, everybody. If you ever meet him, give him a hug. (laughs) So anyway, by 4 p.m. I had the car all packed and ready to go. So I just took off and figured I'd go till I didn't want to drive anymore. An hour or two into the trip, I got the worst Charlie horse in my right foot in the middle of rush hour traffic, and I panicked. I had no control over my right foot. Somehow I was able to get to the shoulder and flip on my hazards and stretch my foot out for a couple minutes, and then somehow I made it to the exit, and oh my God, it was just really, really, really scary. And then I I walked it off, I bought a banana, because apparently potassium's good, and turns out pregnant women really do get a lot of leg cramps. Anyway, getting on the road after that was a little bit stressful, but I drove for, I think, four more hours and ended up in a town called Kingman, Arizona. And people, guess who had had a rally there that day? Mr. Trump. 
I sanitized everything but couldn't sleep with my mask on, so I just I slept and I got the fuck out of there the next morning. I headed straight to the Grand Canyon where, lo and behold, there were hundreds of more maskless people. I did get one or two quick looks at the canyon. I gave a big, holy shit, that is massive. And then I took off and that night I landed in Albuquerque where I stayed with friends who wore their masks inside because they're so sweet. We all wore masks. The next morning I woke up and drove all the way to Jasper, Missouri, where I stayed in a day's inn that was previously unoccupied the night before, so I didn't have to stress about that. And then the next night, Springfield, Ohio, same deal, clean, previously unoccupied hotel room. And then the next morning, I was on my way to the farm, except on that day, my final day, I got hit with lots of wind and rain. But who cares? I was almost home. None of this trip was relaxing. The virus was on its way up in numbers and Aside from New Mexico, hardly anyone wore masks from Arizona to Ohio. Peeing at gas stations was stressful because, you know, of being under the same roof with people that weren't wearing masks. And I had to keep focused because of that foot cramp problem. But blah, 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 I got home. I'm in the driveway. I have to pee so badly. Oh, it's beautiful out here. Fallen leaves everywhere. We gotta have to pee. <laughs> Hello. Hi. And that was it. I was home. But I wouldn't go near my parents. We had to keep our masks on because of uh, all of the exposure I had in the country. <laughs> I had a COVID test a couple days later. The results took forever to come back. My parents took their masks off, but I kept mine on for many days. And uh, finally, I got my results. My test was negative. We are maskless. I'm working out of the office over the garage. It's been vacant for 20-something years, and it's absolutely beautiful. It overlooks the whole farm. My parents cleaned the fireplace and got the electricity going again. It's, I, it's a dream. I'm having a great time. Now... Let's talk about my baby and my body. Hey, hey can you help me with my podcast? Okay, so mom, we're going to combine week 20 and 21. Are you ready? Molly is 21 weeks and two days pregnant. Mom, don't do the Ingrid. Last week at 20 weeks, her baby, baby was her baby was approximately 6.5 inches in length from crown to rump and about 10.1 ounces. At week 21, the measurement changes from crown to rump to head to heel. So this week, Molly's baby is about 10.5 inches and 12.7 ounces. Baby's big enough that you'll likely feel his or her fetal movements more. Oh yes! Oh yes! I have actually been feeling things, everybody. Not gas. I don't think it's gas. I think officially, I felt my first kick somewhere, uh, maybe in West Virginia. (laughs) It felt like um, a bubble moving across my lower abdomen, and since then, I've felt things. I have been feeling a lot of things, and it's been really fun. It's exciting. I keep wondering, how is baby not twisting themselves up in um, my umbilical, their umbilical cord? You don't know the answer? No. (laughs) (laughs) Many things me no-no. 
Baby has formed two distinct layers, the epidermis and the dermis. Baby is regularly swallowing more amniotic fluid, which helps develop breathing skills. Oh, I forgot to include that uh, right about now is uh, baby is sort of tasting things, the things that I eat. That's right. Um, so they, the book did encourage you to eat carrots and things like that at this stage. Yes, because it said it would give carrot sweetness a new taste for baby. Sweetness. Oh. Yeah, oh. Yeah. Anyway, baby is producing a tarry black substance called meconium. You all learned about that in Emily Wilson's episode. Yes, that was the shit episode. Uh, No comment. If you're having a boy, his testes, still located in his abdomen, have become descending, begun descending, and will drop in a few weeks. As baby's central nervous system becomes more sophisticated, her movements are less jerky and more deliberate. The nerves and bones in baby's ears are developing, so sounds outside the womb are becoming more distinct. That's why you can't chop wood. Arms? No, seriously. We've been arguing. We're not arguing, but I want to chop wood. Mom doesn't think it's a good idea, so I'll defer to the midwife once I have an appointment, but I'm dying to chop wood. See how she defers to the midwife? Never her mother. Oh. Anyway, as I go on, arms and legs are finally in proportion. Neurons are now connected between the brain and muscles, and cartilage throughout the body is turning to bone. Lovely work, Mom. Okay, you want to talk about my body now? (laughs) Molly's ass is as wide (laughs) as... As they used to say, Molly's ass is an axe handle wide. (laughs) It it is getting bigger. It does happen. My hips are getting wider, but that's not what we're. That's not what my my. uh, The book doesn't. That's not. Yeah, the book doesn't say that. But um. the top of Molly's uterus is now hitting Molly's belly button. Half a pound to one pound of weight gain is typical from now until you deliver. Some women may develop varicose veins during pregnancy. Sex drive can go in one of two directions, up thanks to the increased blood flow to your pelvic area or down because of your aches and pains. Hormone surges can cause hot flashes. There's more vaginal discharge, leg cramps, heartburn or indigestion, high energy, swelling, shortness of breath, Braxton Hicks contractions. Your uterus might occasionally feel tight as it practices labor. This is totally normal as long as the contractions go away when you switch positions. I noticed that in the morning my belly feels tighter. This morning I felt like I could feel the shape of a... I don't know. It's a total mystery. The whole my th- thing. I could feel my uterus this morning. Everything was tight. Mm-hmm. That's all. How was it when you got up and walked around? And- it, w- it was gone. Yeah. Well, in a couple weeks when you get up, it won't go away. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's get to leaky boobs. Yes. Your milk ducts will be fully developed by the end of this trimester, just in case of early arrival. Well... <laughs> When I read this last night, I decided to check it out. Squeezed it? I squeezed my boobs and liquid came out. Not liquid, but they're like, uh, yeah, li- clear clear mm-hmm. yeah. stuff. Yeah, leave it alone. Don't don't <laughs> squeeze my nipples. Leave them alone. Okay, you? okay. They're going to get so much abuse. Okay. Okay. 
with leaky boobs. Okay, dry, itchy skin. Your skin is stretching over your growing bump, making it more irritated by the day. And that's it for what's in the book, but an update on my feet. They're looking a lot better. The bumps are much smaller. I wore my compression socks all the way across the country and every day since. And um, yeah, maybe I won't have swelling anymore for a while. I don't know. Might be. I mean, they still look all bruised and gnarly, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Good. Thanks, Molly, for in, uh, Mom. Thank you so much inviting me in. See you again next week. See, next. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. And now it's finally time for our interview. Hi there. Hi. How you doing? Good. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And is it Rachel or Ra- Rochelle? Rochelle. That's Rochelle Williams, everybody. She's a friend of a friend, and now she's a friend of me. She's also a TV writer. She writes on Love Life on HBO Max and Tacoma FD on True TV. And most importantly, she's a mom. And so you're getting ready to be a mom. I am. I'm pregnant. It's been a a couple years of uh, hard time. So I'm so excited. And um, I've just come to like accept (laughs) that like I can be positive about it and, you know, tell people and I'm already it's like five months in, but I'm I'm just like, okay, now I feel mildly safe. Right. Yeah. I waited. Yeah. Cause I'm as a TV writer, I was still trying to get a job. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I definitely waited till I landed another gig before I went public and that was almost six months in. Oh, wow. But yeah, I was, I, I, I don't think to me, I wasn't showing definitely when I interviewed, I was like almost five months and I wasn't really showing, I just kind of looked a little bloated, but there's definitely no baby bump or, you know, I could wear flowy clothes and then, uh, but yeah, I had a pretty good pregnancy. How's yours so far? Been pretty good. I I feel the same. Like I'm not showing much, but people see me and they're like, "Oh my god!" And then they're like, <laughs> right. suddenly my body. It's weird. Suddenly my body is like a point of discussion, which makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so you have a baby. Yeah. Do you have? He'll be 13 ju- months next week. Just one. Just one. Yeah. 13 months. And he's walking and trying to run. Oh my god. He he's in that phase of. Play real hard, crash. Play real hard, crash. <laughs> so he definitely sleeps well through the night. But when he's awake, he is he is on one. So right now I'm working on... He's with the nanny right now, who we just got back in June. So when COVID first hit, our first nanny, who was with us from eight weeks on, she went back to England. And so then oh, I, was wow. on hi- I was on hiatus already. Okay. So it was just full-time momming it. From March to about June. And then at some point I was like, oh, I think I need to go get another job. <laughs> I need to go back to work. <laughs> and my agent and, and manager was like, yeah, we've been, we've just been waiting on you. Like stuff's oh. going on. So I got back in the mix a little bit and started writing and things. But so I knew I needed, I would need help because yeah. my husband also works. So yeah, the working mom life is tough, but I always knew I'd be a working mom and I always knew I need help. Like yeah. I wasn't, I think some women kind of go into it thinking, one, that they can do it all and figure that out. I was like, there's just no way. For like a full month, I really tried to convince my husband to be a stay-at-home dad. Because <laughs> you know, as a TV writer, I was like, I make really good money, yeah. you know? And he's like, but no, but my job is consistent. Like, mm. I can always have it. Like, you, I, you like go from gig to gig. I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. But if I stay hot, 
you know, (laughs) but he made a good point of like having at least, you know, one consistent income and even I have a good year, that's great. But if in case I have a bad year, you know, I have something, but yeah, so two working parents, I think that's the toughest part is finding time for myself to be creative because my husband's like, oh yeah, take the weekend. And then I try to ride on the weekend and like the baby is loud or screaming or, you know, my husband doesn't know our routine. You know, he has his own routine, which is chaos. (laughs) He's the coolest kid. He's the coolest baby. He's starting to speak. And, you know, that's the thing too. Like it is amazing to watch some, something grow from day zero just on up because you're amazing what they start to pick up on when they start to pick up on it and sometimes they catch on the stuff real fast sometimes like they don't they they make a conscious choice like I don't want to do that and I just it's really really all so amazing yeah you know and the laughter like when you make the baby it's like oh this makes it all worth it yeah so that's that's the fun part yeah I have been waiting for kicks for for a long time, and I haven't been sure if I felt them or not. And today, I feel like I'm really I, I feel like I I'm getting some kicks today, and that's my first. I feel so excited. It's me. That's the, like that's when the bond starts. And uh, Zisha, that's my son's name. Zisha. Cute. He didn't kick a lot. Yeah. He hiccuped a lot. Oh. And he moved a lot. He loved to roll, but it wasn't like just jabs. It was yeah. just like, he was never in the right. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was cool too, of just kind of like, he's like repositioning himself, but I'm trying to remember if it was more feet or arms. Well, I have no idea what, what I'm feeling right now. To me, it feels like a bubble just going link beep. <laughs> well, also it's where your plac- placenta is pra- placed too. So I had like a front placenta. Me so like too. you're going to get a lot of cushion. Me too. So like they could be kicking like crazy and you just kind of have like a little layer there where it doesn't feel like much. Yeah. So I felt jipped that way. I was like, I wanted this hard Me kicks. too. <laughs> I know, but maybe it maybe it's better in the end. I don't know. Do they get uncomfortable? Nothing got uncomfortable for me. Like okay. I've had mom friends. It's like, oh, I couldn't sleep in the last month. I could never get comfortable. It's like I slept like a rock <laughs> up until like. I think the last two days before his birth, because I'm starting to dilate a little bit and I'm starting to like have like some contractions at night. Uh-huh. And that was uncomfortable. So, yeah. But other than that, like I slept pretty good, but I was always worried. Like, am I sleeping on the right side? Can I sleep on my left, my right? I kept forgetting. I've been worried about that from the get go. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think you're supposed to sleep on. I think it's your on left. Your, Yes. So I did. I just, oh, that's right. I did sleep on my left, but I always love sleeping on my right normally. And I was like, oh, it just felt wrong to me. Well, I love sleeping on my back. And I've told this to my doc, my OB and my acupuncturist. And they both say, oh, don't worry about it. Unless you feel dizzy when you get up or, or if you, yeah, they said it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, but I'm try- I still in my head, I'm like, but I'm supposed to. I know. I know. <laughs> Right. And that's in my OB. She kept saying, stay off the internet, stay off the internet. <sighs> and I was like, no, I, and I couldn't stay off the internet. And I feel like if I did have another baby, I would stay off the internet the second time around uh-huh. and just do my thing versus. Yeah, I think I just got to a point where I don't constantly Google, OK, like what are the milestones at uh, six months? And what are the milestones <sighs> at nine months? And what's this? You know, and now yeah. I'm just like. He's eating. He's happy. He's healthy. I, he wears shoes. Finally, <laughs> I think we're all we're all good to go. I feel like I'm gonna be like that. 
Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't help it because I'm, I'm just kind of OCD that way. And yeah. then I had to like schedule times, like be in the moment, make sure you're in the, like, you know, anytime you have to remind yourself to be in the moment, you're not a person that's ever in the moment. <laughs> that's <laughs> me. Like, okay, you really have to work on that. And now I've definitely gotten better at that because it's also his personality. Yeah. You know, so as he forms his personality of like go with the flow and, I, you know, kind of, and also he wants to do what he wants. So I have to shift myself, like even because I'm very, you know, like I want to do what I want. Obviously, he is going to win all these arguments. Mm-hmm. So just like, oh, so I've learned much more to go with the flow and how to, because that's the thing too, that I guess like kind of a light turned on once he started to crawl. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, he's a real person now. Like, cause he, he wants to be independent. He wants to do stuff. He wants to open the cabinets. You know, the first six months, you don't really have any of that. Like, there's really like no interest, you know, he'll bat a ball or something. And that's all. And I, it's like, that's the fun part. Oh, he can't do anything. And I just, you know, like, and when they start to do stuff, it's like, okay, they are people. And that's when it really got fun for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. but um, just to see him enjoy stuff which is cool that's neat but yeah it's hard it's hard to work and have a baby well i mean there was a couple things i mean even having a nanny during covid what is that like i just got to a point too just like there's no way for me to get anything done yeah i was like we're just gonna have to hope that we find a person that's honest about where they go what they do how they're treating covid so pretty much we embraced the new nanny because we just she just was off to a great start and you know it's a big risk but it's just like I didn't know what else I could do other than not work yeah and isn't it crazy how uh women I mean I'm sure you've heard that like women seem to be the ones that are like leaving their jobs and staying home with the kids and it's like such a step backwards for women it it is but also like I do value the time where I was just where I kind of got second maternity leave Mm -hmm. from March to June Cause I was just like, so he was, it was like from four months to eight months. And like, like in that time I finally sleep trained, like around month seven, I was like, Oh yeah, we got to get you on the schedule, you know? <laughs> and like some of those things that I may not have done because I had a nanny earlier and, you know, I kind of had a break from the baby. And so I wasn't, I was kind of okay with like waking up and hanging out for an hour going back to sleep. And now yeah. I was like, no, you need hard sleep from yeah. seven to seven, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but he took the sleep training really well. I felt like I learned a lot about myself and like being a full-time mom. Yeah. It's like, it's not for me. Like, I don't want to be the 24 hour mom. But then I felt kind of guilty. Like, does that sound cold? It's like, no, it doesn't mean I don't love my kids. It's just like, I know my personality. I think that's another thing, too. Like, I think women have to, because getting pregnant is one thing, and then being a mom is a totally different thing. It's just kind of assess who you are as a person and understand your weaknesses and strengths and don't be afraid to ask help if you need help. Yeah, like, after the first couple of months, I kind of put away that idea that I needed to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I struggled to breastfeed. I ended up not being able to breastfeed at all. Yeah. Like, he latched really well. I just couldn't produce you know, and yeah. what I learned is that I had less milk ducts because oh. I had more fatty tissues. Actually, one would think heavier chested women would be great breastfeeders, but it actually can be the opposite because oh. the breast, don't, there's not enough milk ducts in there. So, huh. Here's a little tidbit for you. Women with all different breast sizes are fully capable of producing a healthy supply of breast milk for their babies. Here are some of the most common breastfeeding concerns involving breast size and shape. 
Hypoplastic breasts. Occurring in only a small percentage of women, hypoplastic breasts can prevent successful breastfeeding. Hypoplastic breasts are often spaced widely apart and they may appear very small and thin or long and tubular. The areola may be very large and the breasts may be uneven. Women with hypoplastic breasts have underdeveloped glandular milk-making breast tissue and may not be able to produce a full supply of breast milk. Small breasts. Women with small breasts often worry that they will not be able to make enough milk for their baby. As long as the small breast size is not related to hypoplastic breasts, there shouldn't be an issue. Large breasts. Breastfeeding with large breasts can be awkward. It can be difficult to latch the baby on, and you may be concerned that your breasts will block your baby's nose. It is important to find a comfortable position and get help right from the beginning. Breast implants. Many women with breast implants are able to breastfeed without any problems. It all depends upon the way the surgery was performed. Breast reduction surgery is more likely to interfere with breastfeeding. The removal of breast tissue along with the reshaping of the breast can cause damage to the glandular tissue, the nerves, and the milk ducts. Now, I have dense breasts, and I wonder if that makes a difference, but I don't have time to look into it right now because it's dark outside and it's getting late, and I, I am scared of being out in the office by myself. Like when, when a woman pumps for like 15 minutes, like she could probably get like a couple ounces, if not four, usually I think four to eight ounces. Okay. And I was getting one ounce. Oh. And it's struggling to get that. Just, it yeah. was a struggle. And then they said, if you want to pull this off, you got to pump every 15, like, you know, once an hour, and then breastfeed. And just like... So I tried that for a week of nursing, pumping, nursing, pumping, nursing, pumping. I never got any rest, never got any sleep, never got to, I was like, okay, well, this won't work. Yeah. And he dropped, he dropped weight so fast that first week. And then I was like, yeah, it's got to be formula. Yeah. And uh, so first it was supplementing and then, then it was just like, I think by the, by the end of the first month, it's just like, I think he's a formula baby. He's happy. He's enjoying it. And I might have tried a little harder had we not planned a circumcision. Uh, my partner's Jew, my husband's Jewish, uh-huh. so um, his family really wanted a bris. Uh-huh. I was like, even though I'm not Jewish, and so, but anyway, we found a Moyle who was progressive, and uh, and he did the bris for us, a real small ceremony. But so like, so like day four, he had dropped a lot of weight, and I knew we had this bris coming. I was like, I'm not having my a skinny baby <laughs> get size like. <laughs> So I started giving him formula like day four to supplement because I'm just like, and I had the doctor say, you beefed him up pretty fast. I was like, well, I had to. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, I couldn't let him be circumcised if he wasn't back to birth weight. I just like, because yeah. I wanted to do it in the hospital. I was like, you could still, you know, just like day one or two, go ahead and do it. And they wanted the breast. I was like, okay, I'm trying to help join our cultures. And, but I was like, I just saw him losing that weight. And I was just like, oh, no, a skinny baby, day eight. He's already unhappy and hungry. <laughs> like, it's like, so it, that worked out. He was like full and plump by day eight. <laughs> like, I was like, ooh. Oh. And then after that, I was like, yeah, I think he likes formula. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Yeah. But how yeah, did that feel for you? Yeah, I was just going to ask, how did it feel yeah. for you? Um with the world that we live in, where there's so much emphasis on breastfeeding and 
womanhood. I mean, the first month, I probably cried every single day. Because I just felt so guilty that I couldn't produce. And and also the first week after he was born, I probably had a sum total of 10 hours of sleep in that whole week. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm in and, trouble. <laughs> and I think just also, too, what I would do the second time around was my in-laws came down too fast. Mm. Like we knew the bris would be day eight. They should have come day seven. They kind of came down like day three and hung out until the bris. So just like, I've got this newborn. We're in this small apartment. They stayed in the hotel because before yeah. COVID. But I'm just like, they're coming to hang out during the day. And they're, you know, my mother-in-law was to hold the baby. So the baby's napping in her arms all day. And then at night, the baby's not sleeping, of course. <sighs> so I'm up all night. And then all day I'm trying to, you know, to wash dishes, do this, get this ready. And I'm just like, it was so hard to get sleep that first week for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. If I had another baby, it's like, we'll see you in a month, okay? <laughs> Don't even bother us. You can see him when he's a month old or her. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of things that I would just change, you know, kind of, that's another thing too. Don't let your in-laws or even your parents be pushy about it. It's not their baby even though they're always excited to wedge themselves in and have the advice and like, well, I can take care of it. Like, mm. you know, just know what's for you. Like if you are a big family person and you love these people and you know, they're going to be a help. Great. But like I had my mom come down for the first three weeks. So that's another thing too, is like I had my mom and in-laws kind of competing oh my for goodness. the baby and, um, my in-laws are conservative. They voted for Trump last time. Boy. I think this time too. Oh, yeah. So it was like, it was just way too much going on. And my husband didn't even get fraternity leave. He got to take two days off and then he got to work from home. Mm. So he'd be at his computer editing. And just like, I was like, I have no help, no support right now. It was just, I would never want to relive my first month. Mm. And then, and then once my mom went back to Lancaster and my in-laws were gone. Um, it got a little easier and I started to get more sleep. And then it was like kind of a routine of like, okay, he's going to sleep a lot. going to have bottles and he's going to do some tummy time, you know? So I started to get more fragmented sleep. Usually like I would probably be, wake up three or four times a night. And then too, he got to like, once he got a crib, he liked the crib a lot, but for some reason at 4 a.m., he's like, now I have to sleep in mommy's arms. Oh. So we we would co-sleep, mm-hmm. and he would sleep in, like, the crook of my elbow, and then I would sleep next to him. And then that went on for maybe probably three months. Wow. And when I got a bad carpal tunnel in my hand, I was like, okay, I got to sleep train you. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm glad something's going to pop. And then he took the sleep train. He did great. And he started sleeping through the night in his crib. Can you tell me anything about sleep training? I haven't started thinking about parenthood yet. <laughs> I'm not prepared. I really think it's like to each his own because I, I would think ahead on stuff. And sleep training was always out there because I had a friend. She said she sleep trained her son in like four months. She's like, once they're 14 pounds, you can sleep train. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then this was like 14 pounds, three to four months in. I was like, he's not ready to be sleep trained. He does, he's not going to, he's still in this bassinet. So, yeah, I, but I didn't do any real research on how to sleep train because I was working on a sitcom at the time and then I had, you know, and it was a network sitcom. So these people all had money. So well, we paid someone to come in and sleep train her for us. And or here's this book and here's that. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go with that old school cried out method. 
which did suck for the first night because he cried for 20 minutes straight and then he went to sleep. Actually, for three nights in a row, he cried for 20 minutes and then went to sleep. And I was like, is he going to hate me? Is he going to remember this? And after three days, he was sleep training. Okay, so that's sleep training. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. So like, (laughs) I will say, wear some headphones and just have the monitor and just kind of like have faith that he or she will fall asleep because it is very painful to listen to. It's like, oh, they want to be rocked. But like, and I did wean them from being rocked. So first I would rock. Then I was like, started just sitting on my lap and I started staying still. Then I started putting them in the crib and hanging out with them. Then I started leaving the room. So I kind of had a process that I kind of made up on my own. Though. Yeah. Because I was just like, one, I was like, I don't have time to read books on sleep train. I just need to either do no. it or yeah. I was like, I'll read a book if what I'm doing doesn't work. Yeah. And luckily it works. Yeah. Okay. I looked it up and it's pretty straightforward. Sleep training. Experts recommend beginning sleep training when babies are four to six months old. This age range is the sweet spot since babies are old enough to physically make it for six hours overnight without needing to eat, but aren't quite at the point where the comforting you provide has become a sleep association. Then there's like a bunch of different sleep training methods. There's the cry it out method, which Rochelle basically described to us. And then every other method is just some sort of step down from the cry it out method. There's the Ferber method. Uh, Let's see. Try the Ferber method, a type of graduated extinction or check and console, which involves allowing your baby to cry for a set period of time before you check on her. These timed intervals of crying get longer by a few minutes with each interval until she falls asleep. Over several nights, you'll gradually increase the length of these intervals, reducing your presence in the room to let your baby do more of the work of settling down. Pretty soon, there's no need for this these comfort check-ins because your baby has learned to self-soothe. Then there's the chair method, where basically you start out sitting in a chair right next to the crib and each night you move your chair further away, closer to the door. I think the cry it out method is the way to go. Bedtime fading method, pick up, put down method. Obviously, there's a lot more to get into with this once I get closer to parenthood. Okay, I need to ask you about pregnancy and birth before we run out of time. (laughs) So pregnancy was pretty good for you. Smooth, super. Smooth. I, could, I couldn't complain about pregnancy. Did you um, have the first trimester, any of those uh, problems in the first trimester? I never, I didn't throw up until Ooh. I went into labor. Yeah. I didn't get <laughs> nauseous either. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, this is great. Um, I was super and, exhausted though. Were you tired? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I did get a little bit of that energy they say you get like in the second trimester when you're nesting but it wasn't the most energy like yeah. I guess around month six because also I was working too yeah so that's nothing I never from the day I was pregnant yeah I took the pregnancy test like in early February and I was wrapping the show and then like two or three months later I was back to work and I worked up to my due date because I felt so good. Yeah. The week he was he was due October 13th. He was born on his, on his due date. Wow. So that was a Saturday that he was, no, a Sunday he was born. I went to labor October 12th and my last day at work had been October 11th. Oh that my Friday. goodness. <laughs> yeah. And I had one last appointment and the doctor was like, you're two centimeters dilated. You're going to keep going to work? I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's not 10 centimeters, is it? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, I already told him I finished the week. and yeah. uh, But I thought I would have a little more time. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like I'll take a week and you know, he'll probably be late. They said the first one's always late. They said boys are always late. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, 4 a.m. on the 12th, 
after a sweet five hours off, <laughs> done with work, um, <laughs> then to labor. Wow. And labor, labor was different. For, like the first painful contraction was like at 4 a.m. the day before he was born. And it's like, oh, it's happening because that, that hurt like hell. And it's like an earthquake when you feel like, was that an yeah. earthquake? Was that an earthquake? And they're like, oh, that's a yeah. fucking earthquake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like, whoo. And then, but then I didn't want to address it at 4 a.m. My husband's still asleep. <laughs> like, I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm going to see if I can sleep through these. Okay. And then like 4 12, I'm like, oh no, it's labor. <laughs> so then I just dealt with it for like three hours. And then I called. The hospital is like, should I come in? It's like, well, wait till they're, you know, this many minutes apart. And so we waited around to like nine mm-hmm. and then we had to drop the dog off at daycare. Mm-hmm. And I was, but I was throwing up. Like every contraction I had, I would throw up. Uh, why? Why does and that happen? I, I don't know. I had no idea. I've got to look into that. Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, it happened. I probably threw up like six times. Like, so it wasn't every contraction, yeah. but when it was like a big one, I was just like, who is he? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, nausea time. Some doctors believe that vomiting when in labor can be a sign of transition, which means things are progressing well and the mother is nearing the finish line. Throwing up through labor can help speed dilation and even cause a pregnant woman's water to break. Other causes could be limited food intake. Pregnant women are likely to feel hungry and thirsty during the initial stages of labor. It's essential to eat during early labor as the expectant mom has to use all the energy she gets to go through labor. Also, restricting food intake can trigger ketosis. The body may start to burn fat reserves to fuel itself, increasing acidity and causing nausea. Dehydration. Dehydration during labor can become a major cause of prompting vomiting at the time of delivery. When the body lacks enough fluids, it can be a source of nausea. At times, insufficient body fluids create excessive pressure, resulting in vomiting, expelling along with blood and bile pigments. Mm -hmm. Another reason is epidurals and other medications. Sometimes epidurals can cause hypotension and vomiting can be a sign that hypotension is happening. Happening. But long story short, nausea and vomiting are very common during labor. Ooh. And uh, so, yeah, we had dropped the dog off and I was having a contraction in the car. He's like, and we're, he's about to take it to the hospital at that point. And then I was like, pull over. And I'm like throwing up oh, all the way no. up to the hospital. How far apart are your contractions now? They're about 10 minutes apart, mm. 10 to 11 minutes. Okay. And I think they told me to come to the hospital when they were five minutes apart. Oh. So on the way to the hospital, they start to become seven minutes apart. Okay. So I'm like, we're getting there. And I was like, I'm just, I got to go. Cause I, I can't just, I was like, I think I want to get the epidural soon too, uh-huh. if I'm going to get it. Uh-huh. So you got there, they admitted me cause they're like, not quite five minutes, but decently dilated. And let's go ahead and just get you in a room, in a birthing room. I was like, great. And so then it's like 10 AM at this point, And I deal with the contractions probably till 1 PM and they're starting to get really painful and but I'm only like maybe four or five centimeters dilated so I need to get the 10 centimeters dilated it's getting more painful this seems like it might take a while because <laughs> I'm saying like, I don't know if I can do these contract like because I'm you know I'm standing I'm trying to do all the methods they teach you of like the breathing and this and this and just like no nah, this is hard you know yeah. and, and Cedar's already told me that it was like a 97 percent epidural rate like 90 percent of women that came in got epidurals like, why do, i was like why do i need to be special go ahead yeah. and it up but i was gonna not get the epidural originally because i have back issues and i was just so scared they would 
hit something because I have two slip discs. I'm just like, you know, and then I was like, this is so painful though. Let me, you know, I think they're professionals. They know not to hit these pinched nerves. And I told them, but they like, thank you for telling us we're going to put it there. And then, you know, and then that was insane. The epidural process. That was wild. And then it just went off forever. At what point did they break your water? Maybe about three or four hours after the epidural. Oh, okay. Uh, Or maybe early. I forgot about that. Yes, whenever my doc, my OB finally came to check on me, mm. which is probably like three o'clock. It's okay. like, we're going to break your water and we're going to finally start the Pitocin. I was like, you should have started the Pitocin to begin with, you know, because <laughs> the epidural does bring things to a halt because you're just chilling. Yeah. Like you don't feel your contractions at all anymore. Right, right, right. You're totally numb down there. It's like, oh, this is very pleasant. <laughs> we were watching movies. But they, it just came to a grinding halt. Yeah. Because I didn't have the baby until 3.42 a.m. the next day. So I've oh. been on these drugs for over 12 hours wow. at this point. But I'm just patient. You know, also you can't eat. You know, they let me have like a little bit of Jello, some, I think maybe applesauce. Were you still water. throwing up? From time to time, but way less. Like I think I threw up twice after the epidural. Okay. But yeah, so then my doctor was like, I've got to go deliver these twins. <laughs> and then so she delivered twins, took a nap. But so when I was ready to go, so it was like maybe... 2.30 in the morning. It's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to push this baby out. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? And um, I was like at nine centimeters. And they're like, well, we'll call your doctor when you're at 10. I was like, I think you should call my doctor now. <laughs> and they didn't call the doctor until I was at 10. And she was super late. And I was just, I was in the most pain I'd be because it's all pressure. Yeah. So I had like maybe an extra half hour to 45 minutes of pressure because she had gone home and gone to sleep. Oh. And so she had to wake back up. I'm just like, as I can, as I can, the midwife deliver the baby. I say, like, I'm really ready to deliver. I'm ready to deliver. And it's like, well, your OB really wants to be here. She's on her way. She's on her way. And like, she came in and she caught the baby. And that's why I pushed him out in 10 minutes. I'm like, where have you been? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. But also, like, let me not get a temper right now. I don't want to be that person. I'm staying calm. I got this irrational fear that like the longer he's docked in there, yeah. like, is he losing oxygen? Is he, is this going to happen? But they also hook you up to these things to keep that are constantly checking the baby's heart rate, the oxygen levels. So if there was something bad that was going to happen, they would have, of course, delivered. But it's like, oh, well, you can wait. But I'm just like, <sighs> I felt like I had like a basketball pressed against like, like some, almost like in a vice, but in your uterus. Yeah. Like it was just the pressure was intense. Oh. And just like, um, and they're like, oh, you can hit more medicine than the epidural. I was like, no, but it's like, that's not really helping. And yeah. I don't want to add any more medicine. I want to push. I was ready to go. Yeah. So that was the worst part of waiting on my doctor to get back to push. Yeah. And then once I pushed, though, I pushed hard like three times. Bam. He was out. They didn't need forceps or anything, which was great. And he came out this little perfect boy. Oh, my gosh. And how big was he? He was 19 and a half inches and 7.1 pounds. Wow. That sounds like a perfect size. <laughs> he did great. He was right in the 50th percentile on uh, everything. You didn't lose your mind at any point and yell and scream curse words at anyone? No. Every contraction I had, even though the before the epidural, every contraction I had, I would laugh. <laughs> it was a weird thing. I was just like, oh, there it goes. I'm like, you know, it's, it's like jack nicholson joker type you laugh because like yeah so i couldn't concede that it was painful i just kind of had this uh and then i would breathe and there were ones where i just kind of wince but uh yeah and i, I curse like a sailor normally yeah. but in this situation it's just like i'm trying to you know look like a normal human and the yeah. nurses were all very impressed like oh yeah. you're doing great yeah 
Well, you said earlier that you had um, you were trying to do all these breathing things. Uh, for those, did you read about those? Did you take classes? What What was that about? Yeah, I took a couple of classes. Like there was like a three Saturday course on like labor, and my husband went went with me, yeah. but. I could tell he wasn't very interested. He was like <laughs> sitting there for support. And I think had I chosen to go a more homeopathic route, I would have gotten a doula because you do get to a point where you are annoyed by your partner. You don't want to see them. <laughs> like, because also I'm just, I was very, once it was time to push and once it was time to have the baby, I had this very direct mindset. And my husband was like petting me, oh, you're doing so good. I was just like, no, I need like, Yo, bitch, we doing this. Yes. I just like I was like, you're not giving me the encouragement I need. <laughs> but I didn't know the encouragement I needed until I was in the moment. You yes. know. But I didn't. I didn't need the pats on the back. I need just like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I need. I felt like I needed more, like stadium crowd yes. energy of just like, let's do it. Versus, um, yeah, I didn't like all the very. I didn't like the kind of soft like, oh, you doing great. Because he was being, he was being so sweet. Yeah. And I was just like stop touching me <laughs> like, like I have it you know or if you're gonna hold my hand I'm gonna squeeze it you know but I ended up just kind of clutching the sides of the the bed and but my husband did hold my leg because I was like do you want to watch this whole thing he's like, oh yeah I'm in it now yes. you know so he's got he's got my left leg and one of the other nurses has the other one and I'm just like pushing and he's but it's weird I'm looking at his face and say like, he's just watching it come out yes <laughs> weirdo (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because when I was about 30 years old a coat no 25 years old uh my boss got pregnant with her boyfriend by the time she went into labor she was single and I just popped into the delivery room to say hi and they were like come in help (laughs) grab her leg and (laughs) I had no idea what was going on and I there I am holding this woman's leg and, and, and then her under her arm over here. And I'm looking down and this alien's coming out. It's a crazy thing to see that stuff. Oh, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't actually, you know, it's like, I'm glad it's my husband. I think, but he really just like, that was, that was wild. Like, and it really, I think it got him more into the experience. Cause then he cut the cord and yeah. And, but before that, before he was born, it's like, no, nah, I don't want to do any of that. Or I, I I'm just, I'm going to be in the room, you know, I'm not going to look. And then once we're in, it's like, Oh, I'm looking, I'm going <laughs> to see how this is. You're my wife, you know, <laughs> but also like things have changed. Like I thought they were going to shave me for some reason. It's like, Oh no, we don't do that anymore. I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. Well, this is, is it more awkward? Is it less awkward? <laughs> then, you know, I you know, yeah. um, then I read like you shouldn't wax beforehand. It's like don't just leave it natural. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, before all of this, and, I start. I always thought that they. I thought it was just like uh, an, the norm that they give gave everybody an episiotomy. I didn't realize that was not. Oh right. I, I think that was a thing of the past that I I heard about from my mom's birth. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. To- that's definitely a thing of the past. I didn't have one, and my tear was only second degree. Okay. So, um, Ooh, I got to look I into that perfectly. stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah, all the, there's like a little slight tear, like it's go by, it goes by centimeters, I think, <sighs> or maybe even millimeters, mm. but mine was a two degree tear. She stitched me up right after the baby was born or after I've delivered the placenta. And then the stitching was kind of annoying. Cause like I could feel it. I was numb, but it's kind of like someone doing something down there. Mm-hmm. Okay. looks like there are four 
degrees of tears. First degree tears are the least severe involving only perineal skin, the skin between the vaginal opening and the rectum and the tissue directly beneath the skin. Second degree vaginal tears involve the skin and the muscle of the perineum and might extend deep into the vagina. Eek. Second degree tears typically require stitches and heal within a few weeks. Third degree vaginal tears. Third degree tears extend into the muscle that surrounds the anus, anal sphincter. These tears sometimes require repair with anesthesia in an operating room rather than the delivery room and might take longer than a few weeks to heal. Fourth degree vaginal tears. Fourth degree vaginal tears are the most severe. They extend through the anal sphincter and into the mucous membrane that lines the rectum, rectal mucosa, Fourth degree tears usually require repair with anesthesia in an operating room rather than the delivery room and sometimes require more specialized repair. Healing also might take longer. Okay. Oh God. There are pictures here. Okay. I'm done. It healed early. I I was healed probably like in four and a half or five weeks. And yeah, you do the salt water flush and, you know, or like, you know, the sits bath. Oh gosh. You can't use toilet paper for a couple of weeks. Really? Uh, What do you use? You have to use like a little what they call a peri bottle and you wow. just spray yourself clean i had no idea you can use it on your butt of course <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah as long as the tear didn't go that far back Whew. there's some women that rip all the way to their anus oh, wait hold on a minute you can use oh toilet paper yeah. on your butt i yeah, thought you so meant you the peri bottle yeah. okay i get it now oh yeah so like the Whoa. so the degree of tear was just a i had second degree so it's just vagina tear close to the perineum yeah. but yeah so that was a slight tear there but my mom tore to her anus. It was the oh. worst kind of tear ever. And I'm feeling it that was one. Lots of, yeah. And I was like, ooh, dang. So she probably could have benefited from a, a episiotomy. Uh-huh. My best friend, her she tore upwards, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it, just, it was. <laughs> also, after full disclosure, yes. full transparency, I still kind of pee on myself when I laugh real hard. Um, and I did all the cables and, and like, you yeah. know, I feel like everything's back to normal. My husband's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, he's like, I'm impressed pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. I would say it's like 98% of what it was, you know, <laughs> like if not a hundred percent, you know, uh, he said, but I know you won't believe me if I say it's a hundred percent. I've been peeing, I've been peeing a little my whole life, so I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen to your OB because she was like, oh, you don't have to do kegels to your heel. Then I'm re- then you're really like, no, do it right away. I'm just like, and I didn't, you know, I didn't do kegels, so I was healed. And yeah, it just kind of have to, you know, your body will repair itself. Yeah. But I, first week I was just like, is that my uterus? I feel everything's out of sorts. Oh. And I just, I, was, I thought I had like a, they call it a prolapse or uh-huh. Like when uh, things fall downward mm-hmm. and it's like, I don't have any of that anymore. Just like, let your body heal. Let just be, just be cool. Just be you cool. Know? Good yeah. advice. And it's uh, 11 o'clock. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great thing to end on. <laughs> you really do. Like at you, your body, like I think women don't need to get obsessed with snapback waist trainers, but also do what you want. Like if you know that your life kind of depends on, needed to be this way if like you know then like do what you got to do but um I think good husbands love you regardless Mm -hmm. you know whether you have like a little pouch or something or it takes a while because um especially when they witness you push the baby out it's like (laughs) damn I can't even I I got no leg to stand on here Mm -hmm. like that's crazy yeah you know and are you do you have a partner are you doing it alone single 
I'm, I'm okay, actually yeah. moved to New York and I'm actually at my parents' farm right now. And because of COVID, there was no reason for me to stay in LA and be alone where like nobody right. would be able to visit me afterwards. And so here I am. Well, that's good. <laughs> right now I'm having a, a good time. Yeah, I'm going to run, but like definitely enjoy pregnancy. Definitely enjoy how well you're treated during your pregnancy because things will change once the baby's born because mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, baby. And <laughs> they forget to check on you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so enjoy that time where you just kind of get to be the center of the world for a little bit. Uh, That was a real cool part. And congratulations. And just if you ever need mom advice, like just uh, text me or send me an email. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, just I think that's another thing too, having a community, whether it's breastfeeding, bottle feeding, a mixture of both, pumping, all that kind of stuff. Women that do birth babies do need to stick together and support each other. Yeah. Not isolating women that don't have babies, because I'm also on that train, too, of like, yeah. you didn't want to, that's fine. Yeah. No one should push you in life. But women support women in general. Yeah. But moms don't need to compare compare each other to other moms. Like, yeah. that, I did first month of kind of looking at friends, like, did they do this better? Did they do that better? And then after that, it goes away. So it's like, my baby loves me. Look at him. He just smiled at me. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> but yes, so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for talking to me. That was so nice. And uh, have a fabulous day. I don't remember what you said you're doing. Work, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tacoma FD, and then wow. I'll be going back to the Love Life Writers Room on oh, Monday. Oh my gosh. All right. All right. Thanks, Molly. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Thank you, Molly. <laughs> have a good one and good luck with everything. <laughs> oh, have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you, too. Bye. Ladies and gents and everybody in between, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Thank you, Rochelle Williams, for joining me. And thank you, Mom. And thank you, Priyanka, for talking to me about the girl stuff. Oh, my goodness. I am so happy and lucky to have all of you in my life. Thank you to all of my Patreon subscribers, new and old. Thank you to all of the fun people who have rated and reviewed the podcast on iTunes. Thank you to all the super generous people who have Venmoed me out of the blue. It's always such an exciting surprise. Again, if you want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash spermcast. If you want to rate and review, just go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. If you want to Venmo, just Venmo Molly hyphen hockey. If you want to hear about my fertility consultation services, you can email me at spermcast at gmail.com. If you have just anything in general, you want to talk about spermcast at gmail.com leave me a voicemail or text me at 323-741-1818 find me on instagram facebook and twitter at spermcast and folks i gotta get out of here it's pitch black outside my parents aren't even home i'm terrified i got i have to walk across the driveway all the way to the house i could get eaten by a bear or a murderer i mean i don't know if a murderer would want to eat me but Anyway, bye. Love you. You could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay to straight, black to white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.